welcome to the third Colts Cover 2 podcast of the week so far. Uh, it's been that way because the Colts have had a, a big news week. They fired Frank Reich, uh, hired Jeff Saturday. Uh, we found out yesterday that Parks Frazier will be calling the plays. But um, realistically, they, we talked a lot about the press conference on Monday in our first impressions pod. Um, I think we're going to try to take this one and talk more about what this means for the team going forward in the future as opposed to uh, whether or not they can beat the Raiders, that kind of thing. doesn't feel like that stuff matters until they start. If, if they, could, they could win some games, that absolutely is possible. All things are possible. <laughs> That's the way the future works. Um, but until that happens, like when that happens, then we can discuss where, where it's going. Mm-hmm. But I think right now the, the question is, that, that it's on most fans' mind is, what does this mean for the franchise going forward? Um, what's the future of this look like? And I think that's what we're going to focus on. And I think that's that that's leading into your mascot. So what, what did does. you bring? It does. Um, so this is gonna you're gonna have to give me a minute here. <laughs> Nate um, Nate does not like the cleaning staff here. Apparently, I got some grass here um, for a couple reasons. Yesterday. I mowed the grass for I think the last time this uh, this year until winter comes and freezes it over, and I'm glad that the Colts took a break from firing people so I could finally uh, mow the grass. But um, you see some leaves in there because that's the time of year. But um, what's interesting is I've made a lot of comparisons this year to the last beat I was on the Lions and I, the end of Jim Caldwell's tenure feels very similar to the end of Frank Reich's tenure. And I was thinking about this a lot this week when they, um, when you know, when they fired Frank Reich. When I took this job just a year ago, this is my this week celebrated a year on this beat, which has been quite a year. And when I got here, I met Frank Reich, and we talked about Detroit, where he had spent a couple of years, and also the fact that he worked for Jim Caldwell, who's coach I covered. And uh, yeah, I remember that conversation this week, thinking about you know the first time I met Frank Reich, and what I remember at that time was that was the last time I remember a fan base being so out on a coach with a winning record. I mean, Detroit fans were convinced that Jim Caldwell was the thing holding that team back. And they thought, fire this coach who had you know a record of 44-38, and 38, three winning seasons in four years, and everything would get better. Uh, and everything fell apart after that because the grass isn't always greener when you – There's the grass reference. I was waiting. Um, and I think that's – I think there's a really good chance that – that we look back on this is a moment that uh, that a lot of people will regret. A lot of the takes they had on on a coach. We'll see. Um, I understand if you were, you know, there's reason to criticize Frank Reich for sure. Did not win an AFC South title. Uh, slow starts. That was kind of common. I, I would argue a lot of that was related to the quarterback. I'm going to say a lot of things that I, I don't think are very popular uh, right now because I understand fans are out on Frank Reich. They're they want to change. I understand that. And there, there were certainly reasons to criticize. It was Frank Reich didn't end up winning an AFC South title. And, um, and he has slow starts, you know, year to year. And the offense wasn't good this year. But a lot of fans were out on Jim Caldwell at the time. And they thought that, that he was the reason holding back this franchise that otherwise would take this huge leap forward if they brought in a coach who had toughness, who could make them tougher, who could, um, who could get the trenches going. Jim Caldwell's career ended be- – I think because he had an offensive line coach he refused to ever part with and it wasted 
a lot of resources on that offensive line and just sunk the team. That's a, what I think is going on with Frank Reich is that his offensive line sunk his tenure here. And there's this idea and everything that came out of that pre- that really wild press conference the other night with Jim Mercy and Chris Ballard and introducing Jeff Saturday was this idea that this team isn't tough enough. And in the lines he had about relying on analytics, and that was some sign of fear. Uh, this smells a lot like where the Lions were at that time when they talked about toughness is what held us back. And it's a very scary road to go down because I'm just going to cite what some, something that, that Joe Thomas once said, who went through a bunch of coaches in Cleveland, a lot of bad coaches. Former Cleveland, Cleveland Browns left tackle. Yeah. Soups, I, is he a Hall of Famer yet? Soon to be Hall of Famer? He'll be a Hall of Famer. Um, but well, I, No, no, no. He'll absolutely be, absolutely be a Hall of Famer. I just didn't know yeah. how long he's been retired. Right. right. Uh, yeah, he retired like five years ago. But the point that he made, though, was if, if, if any time they would hire a new coach, if he came in and the thing he talked about was toughness, he'd look around and say, we're screwed. Because my dad, who watches only one game a week and doesn't know anything about football, can come in the locker room and talk about toughness. These professionals need someone to come in here and teach them actual things about football based on their experience that young players don't have and something to advance their careers, something to advance the X's and O's, or, or someone to manage. There's so many parts of being a head coach that we talked about, you know, managing conflicts and managing expectations and emotions and um, building your staff and developing your staff, all these things. I actually think that there's a lot of stuff we don't know that the head coach does. Like, yeah. I, that I don't think, not just fans, but we don't know. Um, you know, they're there from... Reich, I know, was there from something like 5 in the morning till post 10 at night just about every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a lot in there that we probably don't know that a head coach does. Absolutely. And so uh, so I just say that, like, when I, the thing that struck me the other night, when the, when the Lions fired Jim Caldwell, they lost the adult in the building, and they became an unhinged franchise that – was sort of a punching bag, really, for the next few years when they were in the news for still are kind of still are, but they had a coach who was you know who's who was condescending to the media and who was uh, had them practicing outdoors in the snow. They lost all the good players that they had on that team, pretty much from Matthew Stafford to Darius Slay to Quandre Diggs uh, to Golden Tate. They just moved off of them. They had this super talented team that needed an offensive line. They didn't need toughness, and that's where I think this team is. They need an offensive line. They don't need someone to come in and talk about toughness. And so when I sat there at the press conference the other night and Jim Mercy, the things that he was saying, uh, the rambles he was talking about, the 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 insults he was tossing to the media, to his outgoing coach, uh, to anyone who criticized, talking about 2000s, uh, you know, and how, how you can't challenge him. Uh, Chris Ballard sitting up there and sort of doing the same thing that you, you guys complained about my offensive line. Uh, you know, you complain about my receivers, and you complain about my offensive line. Like this, one of the – one of the clearest signs that someone is losing control is when you blame the media for your problems. And that's exactly what I saw in Detroit. And it felt to me like that night, I'm afraid that this franchise lost the adult in the room. Now, Jeff Saturday came off great. And he, he looks like a lot of, a lot of good traits that they talked about. I saw um, just in the few moments he was talking, what he doesn't have though is experience and credibility in this league. And, a lot of fans, I think, that were are excited about Jeff Saturday, the same way they were about Sam Ellinger, I don't think they put enough credit to how much experience matters and how much having been out there and, and having done it matters to convincing all the guys around you that you are the answer. And that's where they're at right now is that right now it looks like they lost the adult in the room. They've got to get this back on track. But right now the Colts feel like the Auburn of the NFL. Uh, this, <laughs> this, is, this is on tilt right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> this may age. This may I, age. This take may age poorly. Maybe they turn it around. Maybe Jeff Saturday goes six and two down the stretch. And look, they 
for for podcast listeners for podcast listeners who don't know this, I covered Auburn for uh, uh, three and a half seasons uh, before I started covering the NFL. Um, so Nate Nate bringing up Auburn is uh, it, it's a pretty bad reference because Auburn is run by um, its boosters in a way that is bad for college bad for a college football program. I think obviously boosters obviously run a lot, um, but the good programs the boosters. Uh, defer to the people running the team mm-hmm. and get that person what they need whereas at auburn the boosters tell that person what they want not uh, and, and this isn't a this is not a brian harson i'm not talking about brian harson this is a i covered them i know a lot about their history this is them going back for like 25 years uh maybe longer than that basically back to pat die um and they they tell the coach what to do and then they pull the plug immediately when they don't like it and which is exactly what has happened this season and and so they they they're they if you follow college football at all if you follow sec football at all i don't know how many uh podcast listeners do auburn's reputation is sort of uh there's just a mess and it's been that way there's there's a phrase just auburn being auburn and it means like chaos it means auburn chaos um that's why i laugh so much when you said that i'm trying to give podcast listeners who maybe yeah, don't know yeah. enough about auburn uh that's I why knew, i laugh I so much like because that. because that that's 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 what auburn is known for is chaos uh and ridiculousness and um and it, and it eventually creates a reputation for other coaches they want to hire and coaches have turned down auburn because they don't want to go and, and be told what to do and be in in the throes of dysfunction this is an excellent lead-in actually to my mascot so i'll um, just finish with here's a little cult who's uh gonna stand in the grass that grass is pretty green, actually. A lot, not a lot of the grass in my yard is green anymore. Um, that's that's actually pretty green grass. Like, leading into my that, the the part about coaches not wanting to go to Auburn that does lead into mine. I uh, I contemplated a, a bunch of different things to bring in for a mascot. Uh, I figure some of the stuff I couldn't bring in. Um, number one, I don't think it's okay to be able to bring explosives into the office. Uh, I thought about that. Um, and I thought about like a firework, but I don't know where to get one right now because it's you know not July. Um, and then I thought about uh, my brother has a 16-pound sledge that also has a hammer on the back. I was going to take that, <laughs> uh, but I also I thought I thought walking into the office with that might also look bad. Um, if I walked in with a 16-pound sledge, just tell people I cover the Colts and they'll understand. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so I was trying to figure out like. You know, you guys can see where I'm going with this, but I was trying to figure out like what what else would be a, an an analog to that. And since this is a podcast, and I'm in my mid 30s, I'm going to make an old movie reference. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Untouchables, which is a great film, Kevin Costner, Robert De Niro, uh, Sean Connery, just on a heater. Um, great, great movie from them. There's a scene where Robert De Niro is playing Al Capone, and he brings his whole team together, and he's got a baseball bat, and he's talking about baseball. And then all of a sudden he just Ooh. whacks and kills someone right there. So I brought in, I don't have a wooden bat like he did. I have a softball bat because that's what I do during the summer. I think that's what I do during the summer. Who knows with the way the Colts are going right now. Um, but that's, this is, I brought this in because what the rest of the NFL season in, in the Colts right now is essentially that Robert De Niro scene where he's walking around and all of a sudden he, goes from talking about baseball and giving this message about team and unity to brutally murdering someone in front of them with a baseball bat. And that's what the rest of the NFL, I think, sees right now in Indianapolis. 
and that's a problem. There, there's a tendency, I think, right now. I, I get it. A lot of people don't like the media. They don't like, you know, that they they don't feel like we do a good job. They, all that stuff. But the stuff that we've heard, and I'm not even going to say from us. I mean, I, I heard this stuff the other day uh, from people I know around the league. But let's uh, let's take it away from me for a little bit, and look at if you watch every national program. I watch. I'm a Dan Patrick Show guy. I watched that yesterday. Uh, I've seen the clips online from ESPN. I've seen the clips from the NFL Network. Um, basically, everyone is saying what is going on with the Colts. Don't understand it. And here's the thing. That's not just coming from talking heads. There, there are a lot of reporters, national reporters, who are much more plugged into the whole league because they cover the whole league and spend all that time build, build, building relationships with people that you and I don't see on a daily basis in other teams. I mean, there's other teams that have, you know, front office people. And a lot of that reaction they're getting is coming from the rest of the NFL. And this is a job that used to be, the Colts used to be viewed as a stable franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was the reputation around the league. It was a stable franchise. It was a franchise you could go and there would be patience. Um, all of this stuff that you're hearing, that we're hearing from national reporters, from, frankly, from my text messages... Um, Mine too. Uh, is is an indicator of what the rest, how the rest of the league views this franchise right now, and that's bad. Yeah, the Auburn it's, of the NFL. It's bad because it doesn't mean that you're not going to get a coach. You're obviously going to be able to get a coach. There's only 32 jobs. People have to get them. But if you're looking at the top of the market, if you're if someone has options, like Jim Irsay was talking the other day about how he believes in Chris Ballard because. Ballard had a lot of different options when he came here and he chose the Colts. We're in a situation now where you wonder if that's that's even possible for someone as oh, a yeah. coach to do that. Now, and we, also they don't have a quarterback. Right. Well, that's that that's the other thing I was going to get to was when that happened, they had Andrew Luck. They had a quarterback in his prime um, to to depend on. Now they don't. And all everything that's happened this week, the press conference, the hiring of Saturday, all of that stuff, the, the, the signal that sends to the, NF, to the rest of the NFL is we, we might make any we, – there, there's no way to know what, what decision we're going to make. And if Jeff Saturday works out, if Jeff Saturday surprises everyone and is really good at this and gets the job, then that doesn't matter. But if, if we're sitting here in, in mid-January and, we're in a, and they're in a coaching search, there's, there's two jobs open already. There's probably going to be eight. There's almost always like seven or eight. Um, the top of the market guys who have more than one team after them, they're going – that's something the Colts are going to have to answer. They're going to have to answer for what happened this week. Uh, the team building, regardless of who knows what's going to happen with general manager, Ursay said one thing, as your question pointed out, doesn't mean much right now. He said lots of things that haven't turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if there's a general manager opening, it's the same type of thing. Yep. Is this a state? The Colts aren't just going to be interviewing people to find out if they, if they want them. They're going to have to convince people that this franchise is going to give them the right chance, that it's not going to be emotional, there's not going to be a plug pulled immediately. And that, that has ramifications for the top of the market. And the thing I think about, too, is, look, they're going to draft a quarterback almost surely. That's, that's the one thing they haven't done, so they should do that. But they also have to do that because just last spring they got Matt Ryan to request a trade from Atlanta because at that time they were the stable franchise for a quarterback 
that Peyton Manning vouched for, that you'd go here, they'd support you. That, that yeah, that was a big part of Manning's pitch to Ryan. All of that. And all of that is gone. They've now lied to two quarterbacks on their roster, an MVP in Matt Ryan and a Super Bowl MVP in Nick Foles, who came here for Frank Reich and came here to be the number two for two years. We, now we don't know what his job is. Uh, th- this stuff spreads. This is why I'm comparing it to Detroit is that this is a relationships business at the end of the day. Chris Ballard talks about that all the time. Um, they've, they've been very good at this over the years. It's all going away when you have an owner who will just kind of on a dime keep changing his mind and uh, where promises don't get kept uh, and and then it looks so unstable. And agents, again, players share agents, coaches share agents, general managers do. Um, it's, a tight, it's a much tighter circle in the NFL than I think you realize. And what happened in Detroit was – they, they they were purging the roster of talented players but trying to get uh, guys that fit more the Patriot way. And they were able to get some former Patriots, but they couldn't sign really anybody uh, that they wanted outside of just dumping wild amounts of money on them. Uh, they, they just they couldn't get any free agents. Coaches, that happened too. And they purged coaches out. Almost every coach they brought in had no NFL experience uh, or had been out of the league for a long time. So this can get back on the right track and maybe Jeff Saturday is an incredible leader. Um, again, he was impressive in his press conference and we, we really don't know. Um, but he says he is one of the toughest jobs in the history of football to come in as a guy that doesn't have experience on a team that is on very shaky ground with a quarterback who's never thrown a touchdown pass and an owner who's telling you who I believe is telling him that he has to play that quarterback. Um, we'll see today what, what that is. But if, you know, the idea is if, he, if you have a brand-new head coach who's never coached at this level before, they have a play caller who's never called plays at any level before, those guys should be leaning on the experience of either an MVP quarterback or a Super Bowl MVP quarterback who know this offense really well. So they're going to tell us with their actions, you know, where this franchise is and, and who's calling the shots. I think we already have a pretty good indication um, from the press conference and from the actions of the past month. But it's going to become more clear, and the whole league is watching this right now. It was unbelievable to watch Twitter in real time at that press conference, and, like, everybody was paying attention to the Colts. And, and like During you said, a Monday night football game. Yeah. And like you said, like, people who were in the league who were just friends of mine, everybody was texting me about what is going on. This is like a spectacle for the nation. And this is where, like, I said on the last pod, I didn't have – I didn't go into that presser thinking this was going to be a huge kumbaya moment. But if, if you're a fan of the Colts, I, I think you have to be incredibly concerned with the things we heard, uh, the unhinged nature of it, the combative sort of stuck-in-the-past approaches of it. And, and if the idea is everything's, if everything's just about Jim Mercy's taking control and we're going to find a coach who's going to talk about toughness, um, they may stick with the coach they have, but they're going to have a very hard time, like you said, finding coaches who have options who want to come here, general managers, free agents, all of that stuff. Um, they have no chance to get a quarterback that way, so they have to draft one. And this is where, that, like, when you draft quarterback and you have a rookie, it puts the pressure even more on the leaders. Those guys, you have to create yeah, a stable rookie environment need stability. for rookie quarterbacks. This league is really good at ruining quarterbacks, and I thought, I thought this was going to happen to Justin Fields, and he is now sort of rising above. And I give you know, shout-out to Matt Eberflus, who I think is a good leader and has stabilized some parts of that franchise, and they're finally unleashing him. But we've seen all the time the Browns have a graveyard of quarterbacks that they've ruined over the years. The Jets have kind of started their own, too. Um, Sam Darnold's kind of a classic case there. So this is Jacksonville. Jacksonville, um, yeah, Washington. Just ask Robert Griffin III uh, how that went down. Uh, so 
this is on very shaky ground, and they've they've got to get it under control. That press conference was the first moment I thought they could come out and show that that there's a plan here, there's a reason behind this that 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 these leaders are stable. And I think if you watch that, um, you have to be incredibly concerned about where this franchise is. What what happens the rest of the season? Obviously, it's going to have ramifications um, for what they can do with getting a quarterback. I think most, I think a lot of fans would like to see them keep losing. Um, for a very simple reason, very understandable reason. Uh, high draft picks are how you get quarterbacks. Um, and the, the more the Colts lose, the higher the draft pick is going to be. I don't really know what to expect from this team anymore. It's very hard to see, to watch the Patriots game last week and feel comfortable, um, or really most of the, really the entire season, feel, com- feel confident that there's going to be some big offensive turnaround. Uh, who knows what's going on with like there's a point with the defense where they're playing so well but there's a point and and they have stability they have Gus Bradley his whole staff hasn't changed um Bradley has been through this a lot I think that probably I think that probably helps in terms of steadying that unit and getting them to play well um but we've we've seen the limitations of that um so Regardless, and I know um, Ursay talked to Mike Chappell and Bob Kravitz, guys who've been here for a while. He called them last night out of the blue and said that they're not tanking. Um, I think that most fans would prefer that to be the result of what's going on. Uh, because if it, if it ultimately blows up in, in a way where they, they have a super high draft pick, then who knows? You know, at two or three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, it didn't feel like, CJ, like Bryce Young was in play. Um, but who knows? I mean, they, they, they just had a horrible performance against the Patriots. The schedule gets harder down the stretch here. They have to play all three of the good uh, NFC East teams. Um, it, they've got a lot of their uh, – the, the, it'll be interesting to see. It's just going to be interesting to see. I mean, this offense, like the Pittsburgh Steelers are bad, but the way the Colts offense is playing, uh, Steelers defense that has T.J. Watt is terrifying. <laughs> For this offense, um, well, the Patriots game shows that their offense is pretty bad too. Their offense, right, two hundred right, yards yeah, yeah, yeah. in that There's game. There's a good point. Led right. the league in, in turnovers coming into it, but truly you, dominant performance by yeah. the Colts defense that does not turn into a win. And so, trying to figure out how or they're even going a competitive to win, game, <laughs> right? Uh, trying to figure out how they're going to be in games when they can't move the ball. Um, that's that's probably the best like if if i was a colts fan who's hoping for a top five pick i'm looking at those last couple of games and being like i might get what i want yeah and that's that's the thing is i a lot of fans do want them to tank and i think that's why they're you know they, they a lot of them have pushed back about you know you guys need not be so hard on them because they're just trying to tank well we're going by the words of the franchise who swears that they're not tanking i can tell you that that adamantly refuses that, that, that that's what's yeah, going on that that's that's and or even that I mean, if, if you go back and, and look at what Ursay told um, Chapel and Kravitz, like even the suggestion that the that even the quarterback move was made with like even the suggestion that that could be a fortunate byproduct of finding out what they have in Ellinger, even that I think would be angrily, defiantly shouted down. Yeah, um, I, I could tell you that the the approach at the time when they made the benching for Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger was about trying to create a spark trying to get a quarterback who could run away from all the pressure that was happening and who was healthier and and more just fresh than a 37 year old quarterback so that was not about they have a lot of time to evaluate the roster and see what the young players are like and whatnot so 
But we'll see. I mean, at the same time, though, if if they're gonna, they're playing. If they start playing more young players, they'll they'll start to tell you what their what their motivations are. The thing though that fans want to tank. I understand the fans who want to tank. They want that high pick. They want to get the quarterback. Well, they should want the quarterback. But they haven't. They yeah. should want the quarterback. But there are there are a lot of risks here, and it's some of the stuff we've laid out about the image you're going to project along the way. Also, what do you lose within your own team along the way? You think about guys like DeForest Buckner and Stephon Gilmore. Uh, did not arrive here to, to be a part of this. Do they want to stick around? Do you want them to stick around? If you're going to reset well, if, and rebuild. If, yeah, if you reset and rebuild, like a, a guy like Buckner is a good example of, like usually what happens with players like that who are playing really well, uh, don't have, I don't believe his deal has any guaranteed money after this that goes on the dead cap. What usually happens if you're going to completely reset is you trade away a good player who can get you another high asset. Um and so, like, if they're headed for a rebuild, I think most fans know that. that there, a lot of those players that are playing well on the defense, like, w- when teams reset and rebuild and tear things down to the studs, like, those are the players that, that end up getting traded um, and sent to other teams in an effort to get more resources and assets. And I think, I think fans who want the complete hard reset are fine with that. Um, I think... You know, just from a, a watching DeForest Buckner standpoint or watching Stephon Gilmore standpoint, I it would be fun to watch DeForest Buckner playing for a team that is good. It would be fun to watch this. De- honestly, I'm gonna, the whole defense. I'm going to say the whole defense. It would be fun to watch this whole defense playing for playing in a chance where the, and they have a chance to win and they're going for stuff because they're playing so well right now. It and, was and legitimately had to fun. For me to watch the defense, I, I know a lot of fans aren't defensive people. I love defense; it's my favorite thing. Like watching Buckner and Stewart this year, Quiddy Pay's emergence. Uh, Shaq Leonard looked better on Sunday, um, a lot better on Sunday. He was really, really instinctive and aggressive to the point that Bill Belichick told reporters that it felt like he knew what was coming. Um, when the, when they're playing well, this defense is really fun to watch, and I would love to see this defense in a in contention for a playoff spot because it's so good this is there's a weird part of this where like right now what's going on on the offensive side of the ball is wasting maybe the best Colts defensive season in a really long time and that's that's uh, that sucks it sucks from from my perspective it sucks because I like watching defenses in big moments and as as I've pointed out a lot of times like imagine this defense if teams had to come back on them and you could just unleash DeForest Buckner and Yannick right, Ngakwe right. They and pin their ears back. Quiddy Pay and, and all of a sudden Stephon Gilmore and Kenny Moore have eyes on the quarterback baiting them into throws that they have to take those risks that never happens with this team. So I feel for the defense a lot, and that's that's what's got to be really frustrating about what this team has done since they were 3-3-1, and benching Matt Ryan, firing offensive coordinator, firing a head coach, and bringing in someone from the outside, not one of the guys in the building who could who – could kind of stabilize this who has experience doing this like john fox or gus bradley but someone from the outside and a defense there I, I trust them to play hard they've got some amazing leaders i give a lot of credit to guys like gilmore and buckner for how much they've held this together so far um but the uh what's going to happen though is over time well i'm interested to see what that if they can keep it up the whole season i think they will for the most part because they are they're all playing for futures in this league too like that's what's going to happen here and they're going to enjoy the individual seasons they're having which are really impressive but at some point it, it 
everyone's human and it has to wear you down a little bit knowing if you get to a point where you feel like we have no chance to win this game with the way our offense is playing that that does take a toll and I've seen other defenses namely in Chicago this when they, the one they built with Khalil Mack that was so dominant that one started to slide once that offense got to a point where they they would go into games realizing we don't have a chance here and that that's that's disappointing to think about and again this is where I say there there are risks to the tanking, the other things you can lose in terms of culture, players who may not want to be here anymore. And I think fans have convinced themselves that the only route to getting a quarterback is a top one or two pick. Kind of is right now. But it's but it's not. It's not, though, because the two best quarterbacks in the AFC are Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and those teams That's are right, picking at the end of the first round who and made up. aggressive moves up. And the the one the rookie the young quarterback tearing the league up right now went tenth in the draft when a Justin Fields when a team traded up to get him, and in the case of I think it's very painful to bring up Justin Fields right now. It is now. Re- but, reasonable because I so I've said this before. I think that's the flashpoint where this all went wrong. Oh yeah, is not convincing Philip Rivers to come back, which then leads to the decision to go with Carson Wentz because you don't think you can get the quarterback in the draft, whereas the, the flip side of that is if you convince Rivers to come back, I don't have I don't have any idea. if like I can't say with any certainty, 100% certainty, that they could have gotten him back, that he was, wasn't set on his retirement. He's never said that. But it feels like a guy that loves football that much, that loves what's going on with the Colts that much, it feels like you maybe could have convinced him to come back. You convince him to come back, then you're sitting in the draft – uh, one spot behind the Bears, and you see Fields fall, and this this is a friend that like that this that this regime loved Justin Fields, oh, yeah. loved him before that year. They loved him. You start to see Fields fall in a way you weren't expecting. You make your move. Rivers gives time for Fields to develop under Reich, and we're covering Justin Fields right now. To me, that and he'd that, have three and a half that years January left. and February of that January and February of 2021 is the flashpoint for where this this really went wrong. I mean, yep. I think m- most people would move it back to the to when Andrew Luck retired, but that that feels to me like the flashpoint, especially the way Fields has been playing lately. Um, with very he, and like he does the, not have like Jonathan point. Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. to play with. It's a very bad offense the things he's doing. Uh, well, and he didn't have a he, like he the first year he didn't have a, a a person who's got a track record of developing quarterbacks the way Reich did, you know. Yeah, you know, Luke Getzey has done a good job there uh, this year, but last year he was kind of in fields was in chaos. They're moving him in and out of the lineup. It's a lot different for his development. If it's Philip is playing, we're developing you behind Philip. You can lean on Philip Rivers, who's uh, who is like a genius as far as uh, like offensive football goes, and then he comes in now. So I think. That a lot of people have made that move, mm-hmm. have made that, but it's going to be hard to convince me that that wasn't the flashpoint. That's also, the flashpoint where this this thing, there's an alternate history where they keep rivers and draft fields, and this looks very different right now in my head. Yeah, and that's also the flashpoint as a quick aside for why the Eagles are undefeated because they were able to convince a team to take Carson Wentz and take his salary and get a first round. Well, pick that's in Reich's return. biggest mistake. Reich's biggest mistake is is betting on betting he could fix right. Carson Wentz. He right. bet on himself. That he could fit, it's. I think he bet he bet on Carson Wentz. He said he stuck his neck out for him. He believed in him, but really the mistake was believing that he could fix him. Um, that's his biggest mistake here. That I think is partially forced by not getting back Philip Rivers. Because I yeah. want to remind fans of this. A lot of fans know this. 
Frank Reich said the day after the season ended with Philip Rivers, I want Philip Rivers back as my quarterback. Um, so from his perspective, he wanted Rivers back. Yeah. That was absolutely Reich's biggest flaw, and the biggest flaw of Chris Ballard is going along with that when his job was to find the quarterback for the coach, and he's got to have the conviction to make moves like the Bills made to go up and get Josh Allen, like the Bears made to get Justin Fields, like the Chiefs made to get Patrick he Mahomes. Lo- and they love Justin Fields. That's and the thing I keep thinking about is they, they absolutely love Justin Fields. And if you love Justin Fields, like I've said it on this podcast over and over again, if you think a guy is the guy, you do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to get him. Absolutely. And part of making a quarterback work from the draft is having the environment. And those teams that did that built up everything else to where they could push the chips in and go get the quarterback. Which is where they were at that time, which is and where the Colts were at that time. At that was. time, they had this infrastructure absolutely. around it to do it. and. If they're going to tank right now, that's what a lot of fans want. If they're going to tank and get a top five pick, that's fine. They may get a very talented, maybe C.J. Stroud or, or Hennon Hooker, or if they can get Bryce Young, maybe those guys are as talented as any of the guys I've mentioned. What they could, they could lose the environment, though, where, where you, you're not attracting coaches to come here. You've got stars, foundational players who may want out of this team. Um, or maybe you just start shipping them. Like it, they're going to lose a lot of what they had, which was just last year, just last year, most all pros in the NFL, most pro bowlers in the NFL, a culture where they, that team was so tight and connected at that moment in time. And that was the kind of thing they had in, in 2020, that offseason. And, and this is it's an ultimate flashpoint for this franchise. The thing, the thing about hard resets, and we're getting po- close to the point here where we're going to have to wrap it up, but the, the thing about hard resets is you get to a point where – it, it, the path forward is clear. You've torn it all down. That means you have to rehire and refix, like go complete regime change, find the quarterback, rebuild the roster around him. And knowing what you have to do is is pretty clear. Like there's a pretty clear path forward. But all of the things that could go wrong around it, there's so much more that could go wrong around it. Whereas if you have infrastructure already in place, the, there's a narrow focus. You don't have to fix all of these different things at, at one time. That all you have to get all of it right to get going. You have, just have to find the one thing. Mm-hmm. Like with the Chiefs or the Bills, like your examples from earlier, they had all of this infrastructure around it, and all they needed was the quarterback. And they went and got that guy. I think Josh Allen and, and Mahomes are both good examples because they were given time to develop. They were given time to develop within good rosters. I mean. It's hard to remember now, but like watching Josh Allen the first time they went to the playoffs with Buffalo, oh, yeah. it felt like anything could happen on any play. And they made the playoffs because of what they had around him and gave and him a chance to get confidence and gave him a chance to, to develop and get good. Right. And so and again, everything in the organization was geared towards one thing, mm-hmm. whereas you know where you have to go if it's a hard reset, but you have to fix all of it. Yeah. And – both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes had the same head coach and offensive coordinator every year, year after year. This is the cycle the Colts are in where they have a new quarterback every single year. Now they're looking at a new head coach. They could be looking at a new general manager. They're looking for a new offensive coordinator. And I'm sure that obviously this offseason is about finding all of that, making it come together. But you also have to give it time. And right now, this franchise does not come off as a patient, stable place that will give time. I mean, they're firing a new coach or they're, they're firing a new coach or benching quarterback every single week. So will Jim Mercy become the guy that will stay patient for three years to develop and rebuild this thing? I think right now you have a lot of questions about whether that's the case. We apologize. I, Clark, I don't know if uh, people can hear the uh, construction going on in the backward. 
Yeah, very little. Well, that's a good. It's good. I actually thought it kind of fit the whole tone of the podcast. The uh, we've got bats. We've all got of the all of the construction cranes. We've got saws. Construction stuff. So if you've heard that, we've got a we horse and grass. For that. Um, but tried tried to move this podcast forward. We're we're gonna have more to focus back in on this team after they play on Sunday. After we have a chance to talk to Jeff Saturday. Now that he's had a chance to have his feet on the ground today. Um, We'll get back to where the team is now in future podcasts. But for right now, we wanted to move it forward and look at the way the team is seems to be heading. For the Colts Cover 2 podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. I promise I won't use the bat to crush the horse. <laughs>